When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Disney Decipher, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we've got 12 tips from my recent trip that can help you make your Disney World trip easier. Find all episodes of this podcast at DisneyDecipher.com or anywhere you find audio podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. We're also on YouTube now, so if you can check us out on YouTube.com slash at Disney Deciphered and like and subscribe there, we'd really appreciate it. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can join our Patreon where you'll receive bonus content at Patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered. You can also support the podcast by using me as your travel agent at no cost to you. Get started by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. If you have any questions, email us disneydeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So Leslie and I are fresh off Two trips, myself to Walt Disney World, Leslie to Disneyland. So we're going to do two straight trip reports. But we know it's been a lot of trip reports lately. So for Disney World, since Leslie just had a trip report about there a while ago, and we always like to keep our trip reports helpful for the people, I have boiled the trip report, my trip report down to 12 tips. If you are a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered, you've also been hearing a lot of our live trip reports. Um, and so you've heard Leslie and I talk about our trips already. We try to not duplicate the content too much between that and this. So hopefully some of this will be new. And definitely I talked a lot more about the attractions that I rode on those live trip reports than we are going to talk about today. Setting the table really quickly, I was there for the Travelmation retreat, uh, staying at the Yacht Club. I don't think that is going to make it into this episode here. The Yacht Club was nice. I want to do a bigger review on Beach and Yacht Club, but my family is planning to stay at Beach in February, so we'll talk about all that. Leslie, anything uh, you want to discuss before we get to these tips, or should we just get straight to it? Because I know you are following along with my trip as well. All right, we got to toot your horn, Joe. You were named Agent of the Year by Travelmation on your trip, so don't don't bury the lead. Congratulations, well deserved. I mean, how does it feel, Joe? Uh, yeah, it felt felt great. It was a really nice honor, honor to be nominated, honor to win. Uh, it was a very exciting time. Yes, so at the Travelmation retreat, uh, we give out awards, and I was nominated for Agent of the Year, um, which is different from Top Sales. You know, there was a separate award for that, but I don't know. I guess I guess they like me, like Stuart Smiley says. Uh, but yeah, I really appreciate it. I was really humbled by that. All right, well, let's get into the tips that uh, I'm sure helped name you Agent of the Year. Uh, they didn't hurt, um, but let me tell you what does hurt. Flying into Terminal C, still not great at MCO Airport. Now, what happened was, unfortunately, this trip coincided with a lot of stuff happening in my family, uh, Lunar New Year, birthdays, other things. And so it was tough. I was supposed to actually be 
down there for four or five days, and it really got cut down to two. And so because of that, I did not fly JetBlue, which is what I normally fly down to Orlando, and that worked out incredibly well because – as we talked about in my last trip report in November, Terminal C is just not ready to go. You cannot get a rental car except for from Sixth and maybe one or two other rental car companies at Terminal C. So you have this 30, 40 minute long trek to get to the main terminal to get to your rental cars. However, because of all these changes, I ended up having to fly Delta down, which was perfect because I was in the main terminal. I was in my rental car in like 10 minutes. You know, I rent with Hertz. I'm a gold member. That's free to be a gold member, which means in airports such as Orlando and all the bigger airports, they have what they call, um, you know what? I'm blanking on what it's called right now. Gold rewards. Doesn't matter. It's free and you go straight to your car. You look at the board and they say, go to this aisle, pick up any car you want from there. So I went ahead and did that. And that was great. So really recommend not, I mean, if you can avoid it, I guess you can't avoid flying JetBlue if you want to fly JetBlue. That's the only domestic carrier flying into Terminal C at MCO right now. If you're flying it though, and you're renting a car, definitely bear that in mind. Good news is unlike my trip in November, you can drop your car off at Terminal C now. Um, for returns. And I was flying JetBlue home and returns was so much easier than having to make that 40 minute trek from the main terminal. So that was kind of the first tip there. Your trip always starts before you actually get to Walt Disney World itself. Yeah, that's fair. And that's really rough for folks flying JetBlue right now. I mean, that would be enough to <laughs> have me book away from JetBlue if I could get a similar deal. What is the situation like for people who are just going to take an Uber from Terminal C? Is that more doable? Yes. My understanding is you can grab rideshare and stuff like that from Terminal C. So if you're doing that, you're okay. However, if you are doing mirrors or Sunshine Flyer or any of those things, I think you still have to make it all the way to the main terminal. So that is pretty brutal. All right. So airport check. Um, how about uh, getting to your hotel? What was the check-in situation situation like? Did you do online check-in this time? Yeah. So online check-in is still very finicky for Walt Disney World. But my tip here is to still check in online. There are a couple things to note about checking in online. You can now make a room request online. I do not do that because I always make my room request through touring plans, and I do that for my clients as well if they want me to make room requests for them. And I've heard from Touring Plans itself, Lentesta, that if you make a room request via Touring Plans and also make one via the app, if they're not exactly the same, if the hotel gets too similar but a little bit different requests, they just ignore both. So I always just make my room requests on Touring Plans, but you can make it on online check-in if you want. Now, what was weird this time was when I went to check in online, they, nor they normally ask you for what time you want to show up. They didn't ask me for what time I wanted to show up. And I wasn't showing up until 6 p.m., so I wasn't worried about it or anything like that. But they didn't ask me for my time. And then irony of ironies, my room was ready by like 11 a.m. They texted me at 11 a.m. They said it was ready. Um, and so I checked in the night before. I'm not sure why I wasn't. So the bottom line is check in online mobile check-in or you can check in from the website still finicky but i still recommend that you do it because when it works and when your room is ready before you even get there not having to go to the front desk being able to go straight to my room um, that was pretty awesome so definitely mobile check-in online you can start it 30 days in advance of your trip i wouldn't do it until a couple days before so that you can choose that check-in time in case you know things get finicky and 
Sometimes they let you change your checking time. Sometimes they don't. You know, it's Disney IT. It's not great. But when it works, it works. And it worked this time. So that was pretty awesome. All right. Well, glad it worked this time. I still haven't been able to get a Disney door to work with the app to unlock. So <laughs> I'm still waiting for all of these things to uh, fully, you know, be corrected and whatnot. But but yeah, online check-in does seem to work more than not for me. So I uh, highly recommend that as well. All right. Well, let's talk park strategy. Uh, what tips do you have for us in terms of our favorite topic, Genie Plus? <laughs> all right. A couple of quick tips here for Genie Plus. Like I said, I was arriving, I guess I exaggerated a little bit. I was arriving in Orlando at 4 p.m. So what I decided to do was I decided to buy Genie Plus and stack lightning lanes. Now, if you've listened to old episodes, you know what that means already. If you've only listened to Genie Plus 101 that we released a couple of weeks ago, also a YouTube version, if you want to check that out for visuals. We haven't talked about it yet because this is going to be in our 201 episode. But Genie Plus stacking means to get Genie Plus reservations over time and have a bunch ready for the afternoon for you when you actually want to go to the parks, which works really well on a travel day. So I had four to five Genie Plus Lightning Lane reservations stacked for the afternoon and evening in Epcot by the time I got off the plane. So that was pretty great. And the other thing that I also confirmed is that changing park reservations, you can still do that on the day of as long as park reservations are available. So people are always asking, oh, if I make a park reservation, you know, my trip's in 90 days, am I stuck with that park reservation? Well, you're definitely not stuck at 90 days, but even the day of, as long as park reservations are available, which they generally are, unless you're at the busiest time, um, you can make that park reservation change. So I ended up doing that as well um, on this trip. So it's good to know that some of the flexibility, some of the spontaneity is back, although I would say it's still not, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say... Disney World is a spontaneous trip by any means. No, lots of planning still required. And I mean, I think for the risk averse too, if you know this is your one chance to start at a certain park, you may not want to be changing park reservations. This is this is definitely 201 or 301 level for a lot of people. And, and uh, you know, especially if you're going to have disappointed kids. For sure. All right, Joe, I think this is your first trip since Disney has rolled out the modification option for Genie Plus. Uh, how was your experience in using it? Yeah, so again, in that Genie Plus 101 episode, we did discuss modifying your Genie Plus reservations, but I did not realize, and you know, we recorded that before you went, Leslie, but I think we both realized over the last two weeks that we kind of undersold how important that modify reservation button is because it really changes things so much because my mind was like mentally still in the mindset where you know i get a genie plus reservation if i need to change it i'm going to cancel it but then that's going to reset my two-hour window right like i'm not going to be able to make another genie plus reservation for two hours unless i ride that attraction and so that made me very hesitant to modify but as soon as i started modifying reservations i realized oh yeah, we had said this, but I hadn't done it in practice. It doesn't change your reservation window, and it just makes things so much more powerful and user-friendly, frankly. So I'll just give a small example. Let's say that you are stacking Lightning Lane reservations for yourself for the afternoon because you're flying in. Well, let's say that you are able to book a reservation starting at 10.30 a.m., but Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run is only has a return time of 1 to 2 p.m. But you're not going to be on the ground until 
3 p.m. So you won't be able to get there till 4. Well, what you want to do is make that 1 p.m. return time immediately. And then over time, over the next two hours, modify it, keep pushing it back, pushing it back until Smuggler's Run finally gets to 4 p.m. As long as that happens before 1230, you can book your next one at 1230 and you are good. So that really changes things, especially because, you know, you can't choose your Genie Plus Lightning Lane return time. So to get a good time, you can modify it, but it doesn't hurt you, which it's, it's a big difference, which I don't know why I didn't mentally like clock that until I actually did it. But once you do it, you're like, wow, this is so much better. Yeah, I was the same. I was definitely, you know, in the habit of like, oh, gosh, you know, I'm going to see this afternoon show or I have a meal. So I'm not going to book a Genie Plus right now because there's not a return time that works for me. But you should absolutely be booking it. And then you should be modifying it to push it out a little bit later and a little bit later. So you don't miss that slot, because if you miss that slot, you know, then there's going to be fewer Genie Pluses that you can get over the course of a day. So definitely try that out. Definitely a big game changer. Again, this is damning with faint praise. It should have been like this in the beginning, but at least it's working now um, closer to a more user-friendly way as intended. Okay, my next tip, this actually came from you, Leslie. You know, We were talking before I went about the Festival of the Arts, which is Epcot's festival and the food there. And you had mentioned to me that even though the lines look long, they move pretty quickly. And that was my experience as well. You know, I think I went into a line that was 10, a dozen people deep. That's probably the longest that I could tolerate. That's probably the longest I could tolerate even looking at. But I waited in that line and they do move very quickly. They're very efficient. It did backfire on me one time because they had definitely, it was the um, deconstructed BLT they definitely had a bunch ready just under heat lamps. And so that was not the ideal experience. It was still pretty good, but not as good as it would have been if it was fresh and hot. But they moved through things pretty quickly. And I mean, that was your experience as well, right? Leslie at the Festival of the Arts, a lot of good food. And even though it looks long, the lines aren't too bad. Yes, totally agree. And I'm used to the lines at Disneyland and what they look like more than I am at the festivals at Epcot. And they could move a lot more people at World than they could at land. Uh, so I was... Definitely impressed by how fast it moved. And and I should have started waiting in the lines a little bit earlier than I did on my trip. The other thing I noticed was that they fluctuate a lot. So um, I saw I was at the China Pavilion and I saw that there was um, General Cho's Shumai. And I remember Leslie had talked about it multiple times on the Patreon trip report. But I could not for the life of me remember if she said it was good or bad. And so I was like, frantically messenger her on Facebook messenger. Cause like there was no line. And then by the time she got back to me, there was a huge line, but then five minutes later I walked by and there was no line again. So these lines, they, they really move um, very quickly and very well. And they do a good job of also like upping the number of people at the cash register when they need to, and then dialing it back. So in my experience, festival of the arts was running very smoothly, great festival, Really enjoyed my time there. Looking forward, you know, we're going to be there for the last couple of days of the festival. And I, even though it's on a Saturday night um, and that is going to be crowded, I want my kids to get to the Festival of the Arts for at least one day. So we're going to try that out on the last night. So that was very good. Uh, before we get to the next tips, a quick reminder, I mentioned it already, but we're on YouTube now. If you can like and subscribe there, we would really appreciate it. Leslie, where can people find your work? 
I am at Trips with Tykes everywhere on social media, tripswithtykes.com. That's my website with lots of tips, some of which are written by you, Joe. Indeed. And uh, also, if you are looking to plan a trip, as Leslie mentioned, I am a travel agent with Travelmation. And you can email me, Joseph Chung, at travelmation.net. That's with an M. Oh, I'm wearing the shirt today, too. All, all Travelmation today. We'd love to help you and your family plan your Disney vacation. All right. So my next tip is for rope dropping Magic Kingdom. What I did on this trip, and again, this it was just me, so it was easier, but I made a reservation at Steakhouse 71 at the Contemporary for around 7.50 a.m. on a day where Magic Kingdom was opening at 9, so rope drop was going to be at 8.30 for on-site hotel guests. I My goal was actually, Leslie, to get there at 7.20 and hope that I could get seated earlier, but I actually ended up not getting there until 7.45, so I was seated exactly at 7.50. Now, this totally would not have worked with my kids, but I sat down, I told the guy, hey, I'm trying to rope drop. This is what I want to eat. He's like, Here's your bill. Gave me my bill before I even got the food, you know, and I was out of there by 8.15 or 8.20. I was not at the front of the rope, but I was in Magic Kingdom walking towards attractions by 8.30 a.m. already. And so that was great because I didn't have to worry about Disney transportation. I didn't have to worry about parking at the transportation and ticket center. You know, I just ate my breakfast and went. I'm thinking this is, if especially if your family is early risers, this is a pretty good strategy to make your life a little bit easier. Plus, you need to eat breakfast before rope drop anyway. Steakhouse 71 opens at 7 a.m. Grand Floridian Cafe at the Grand Flow. Also, you could do this, but I like Steakhouse 71's breakfast a little bit better. It was a it was a good strategy, Leslie. And I think that if I had had my family eat breakfast at 7:30, we probably could have gotten there, gotten out of there, maybe 8:20, 8:25. At the very least, we could have gotten into the Magic Kingdom and on queue for an attraction or two before it opened to normal guests at 9 a.m. Sounds like a good strategy. How much did it set you back? Um, <laughs> well, thank you for segueing into my next tip. Don't be like a person who hosts a Disney podcast and pretends that they know what they're talking about and forget that the extra half hour of the Magic Kingdom is only for Tomorrowland and Fantasyland. Very embarrassing for me. I guess my original plan was to go to Peter Pan to see, like, if you're further back. My assumption was, like, the majority of people go to Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, which is true. But by the time I got to Peter Pan, it was already looking, you know, I got there at 840 or so. I wasn't rushing. I was, like, taking my time, even though I was in the park already before 830. And so I got to Peter Pan at 8.35, 8.40. It looked too long. And then I was like, well, I'm smart. I'm just going to go wander over to Frontierland and ride Splash Mountain, even though I forgot that it was Splash Mountain was closing. Oh, no, I wanted to go ride Big Thunder because I had already decided I wasn't riding Splash Mountain on this trip. And, yes, this happened to be the last day of Splash Mountain overall. Anyway, wandered over to Frontierland, except for I couldn't wander over to Frontierland because it was roped off. Like a rookie, forgot that it was only Tomorrowland and Fantasyland. That being said, I cut all the way back to Tomorrowland, and it was like 8.45, and Buzz Lightyear was still like a 10-minute wait. Tomorrowland Speedway, from what I could see, that would have only been a 5-minute wait. Of course, you could have ridden teacups. Winnie the Pooh was out of the question at that point. That was I could definitely see that that queue was, well, I guess it depends on 
the way you're thinking about it. But that queue was already 15, 20 minutes long, um, just visually. And so I, I wasn't going to wait 15 to 20 minutes for Winnie the Pooh. So, Leslie, I did what any sensible Disney fan would do and just went on the people mover at 8.45 a.m. Just enjoyed myself. Just had a just had a nice time. A nice ride watching Tron. You know, it's going to open up soon. That was good. I, it was a very slow-moving ride day. I It was my first time back on the train. That was great, Leslie. So I did not fully utilize the rope drop. I was just trying the breakfast to prove that it could be done. And it can. But definitely don't forget that it's only Tomorrowland and Fantasyland and um, mess up like I did. You're not the only one who has forgotten that. I've forgotten... Uh, the restrictions at Disneyland many times myself, even though <laughs> how many times have I been there? You're just in your mode of, of what the rides are and you forget to sort of slot things into different categories. So you are forgiven. Um, we're not taking away your agent of the year uh, designation for that. All right. So let's thank talk you, about, <laughs> let's talk about uh, park hopping. Did you hop that day? And what was your experience? Yes, I did park hop on that day, I had to go to the Contemporary after my morning Magic Kingdom and pick up some retreat stuff, like my swag bag and all that stuff. My plan was to, you know, they told us that they weren't going to feed us at this opening night ceremony where I got my award and all that stuff. And so I wanted to eat in Epcot, an early dinner. And so my plan was to park hop there. Now, I showed up at the International Gateway, which is the entrance to Epcot that's by Yacht and Beach Club, Crescent Lake, Boardwalk Villas, et cetera, or Boardwalk Inn and Villas, et cetera. And there was a line forming, and they were all leaning up against the gate, and you could tell, or a fence, and you could tell that they were all waiting to park hop at 2 p.m. And I was maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 people back in the line. Not, you know, it was maybe five or six groups, but 15, 20 people total. And so I was just standing there and I was watching my clock on my phone and I had assumed that they all knew that at 1:45 PM they were going to be let in. But apparently the 19 people in front of me did not know that because my clock struck 1:45 PM and nobody moved. And so here's my reminder and tip for everyone that park hopping, even though officially it starts at 2 PM, there was a 15 minute grace period and you can enter at 1:45 PM. Now, Typically, I've seen those lines before, and everyone knows. And so that line starts moving at 1.45 p.m. However, they didn't. And so I said to the guy next to me, I was like, I think they're going to let me in at 1.45. And he's like, I don't know. And I was like, I'm going for it. If I don't come back, tell my wife I love her. And, you know, I went, tapped my magic band on the Mickey head. It turned green. Breathed a huge sigh of relief that I didn't embarrass myself in front of 19 random strangers. And, uh, you know, I was the first one park hopping into Epcot from the International Gateway that day. So reminder, park hopping, officially 2 p.m., but they'll let you in at 1.45 p.m. They won't necessarily say that to you, but if you tap your Mickey band, you know, the worst that's going to happen is they're going to be like, wait 15 minutes. So, but uh, I still have yet to not tap in at 1.45 p.m. Trust the man who didn't remember that uh, Tomorrowland and Fantasyland are the only places open for rope drop. I think you've redeemed yourself with that, Joe. So, so we'll we'll let that one go. How were the eating options? I presume that's where why you went into Epcot was to eat before the big event that night. How were the eating options in Epcot? Yeah, I mean, I ate at Teppan Ito, which is the hibachi restaurant in Japan, which I had a reservation for. But I was curious what dining options were going to be looking like, and I did notice that a reminder: the tip board on your My Disney Experience app, there's a dining tab. And when you click on that, you can see which 
restaurants are taking walk-ups, which restaurants are still taking reservations. And there was a lot more than you would expect. And we've mentioned this a few times this year already, but Disney recently updated things so that you can cancel up to two hours in advance of your dining reservation and not be penalized. Because of that, there are a lot of empty tables at these restaurants, which at first I thought was just Disney leaving money on the table, which is true. They are leaving money on the table. I'm not sure why they made this change, even though it's great for us, since we can change our minds um, close to the last minute. However, what also has happened at least, you know, and I did this in every single park that I was in on this trip, I feel like there are a lot more, and the caveat is it wasn't the busiest time that I was there, but I feel like there are a lot more options for walk-ins, making a reservation, maybe for a couple hours from now, you know, a lot more restaurants available on that tip board. So if you're not sure where you're going to eat, you don't feel like eating quick service, or you want to see if there are any table service options out there, remember to always check the dining tab in your tip board because you never know what you might see there. Great tip. I have not been good about checking that, so... Next trip, next trip. All right, Joe, what's the next tip that you have for us? All right, staying on the food option, I talk about this every time I take a trip, but it is a tip that bears repeating. You can pre-order your mobile food orders hours in advance. Um, And if you forget that you made the mobile order, when your dining window passes, you do not get charged. So there's like no risk to this strategy. And it really can save you when you're with your family, which is the first time I tried this, it can save you by having food ready for your family. Maybe not the best food, but you know, you're feeding them something and that you can pick up something at a certain window. You know, you can wake up in the morning and do back last February, we did Trattoria Al Forno mobile to go food order. Um, but you can also just do it at like a quick service restaurant or whatever. Leslie, you talked in your last trip report about Woody's lunchbox. You could have waken up in the morning and done a mobile food order for 1130. So it wouldn't have solved your seating situation, but at least you could have picked up food um, earlier. So you can do these mobile food orders hours in advance. The way it saved me this time was the opening night ceremony for Travelmation was at the Contemporary and I knew I needed to eat. Um, I did go into the Magic Kingdom and take some pictures, but I was like, uh, I got to get back to my hotel and eat by 11 p.m. when the quick service restaurant and the Yacht Club closed. And so before I got into my car, I did a mobile food order for actually I was walking back from the Magic Kingdom and I wasn't even at my car yet. I did a mobile food order for like 40 minutes in advance. And like by the time I got back to the hotel, I made it to my mobile food order window by like five minutes, but still it had food ready for me at Yard Club. I was like, I didn't want to order room service and I didn't want to go to bed starving. So use that mobile food order option just liberally. Again, I wasn't worried about it because if I missed my window and the restaurant closed, I knew I wasn't going to be charged. So it just makes a big difference, at least for me personally in my stress level when planning meals. Yeah, I totally agree. And as a corollary to that, I think a lot of people don't realize that you can modify your pickup window. So this is something that I do a lot for lunch because sometimes certain restaurants, the lunch slots will go kind of quickly. And I think, okay, maybe I can get there by 1130. I'll make that reservation. But if I see that I'm running behind and the slots are going you know, fast, I can sort of modify that to pick it up later. So that's something to keep in mind as well. And there are grace periods for this. I definitely have been able to pick up 
five minutes early, just like you can tap in five minutes early to a lightning lane. So, you know, play around with this. There's some IT flexibility officially and unofficially with mobile ordering. That's a good point. My kind of last ditch effort was going to be to what you have to do when you have the mobile order is you have to click check in when you're actually there, quote unquote, although you don't have to be there. We've talked about this before. Oftentimes I'm like getting off a ride and I know I'm a 10 minute walk away from my mobile order, but I check in so that ideally when I show up, the food is done. So my last ditch plan was going to be to check in at the last possible second because they don't start moving your, they don't start making your food until you check in. And so I was going to check in at like the last possible second and just hope that they would let me in because, you know, they've already prepared the food and let me pick it up if I was going to get there at like 1101 or something. Turns out there were some drunk people in there um, blowing off some steam after obviously drinking around the world. Young Gen Zers who are much cooler than I am. So they probably would have had the door still open at 1101 p.m. if that had happened to me. But like you said, Leslie, there is some flexibility in there. And remember, checking in, you can use that to make um, times even more convenient for yourself. Because sometimes when you check in, it takes them 15 minutes to make the food. So you might as well check in early. And then whenever the food is ready, you can just pick it up. That's right. All right, Joe, uh, what other tips do you have for us? All right. Closing things out, Leslie, I spent more money on merchandise. Okay, so this is this is a dangerous tip, all right? And I want to thank and also... Um, curse patron jeremy s for sharing this tip with me jeremy told me that he was like oh i found out that if you ship stuff home you can ship stuff home from the stores and the pricing for the shipping is actually pretty fair well this is a blessing and a curse because there are all there have always been things like big monorail sets um disney cruise line playset slash dollhouse. These are the things that I actually bought on this trip that I would never like I, my son has always pointed to stuff like that. And I'm like, Oh, we can't fit that in our suitcase. You know, uh, there's no way we can bring that home. Well, now I know that we can actually bring that home because shipping was only like $8 per item, eight or $9 per item, which is fair enough. And plus with my annual pass discount, I was like, Oh, well, you know, I'm getting the annual pass discount on it. So I might as well ship it home. And I don't know. It's just something to know if there's something big. And I guess I should have known that this existed because people ship their lightsabers home that they build at Savi's all the time. And, you know, they don't want to bring or lose their $250 lightsaber on the plane um, or get it confiscated because it's a weapon or whatever. And so I should have known that Disney does the shipping. And, you know, I wouldn't say that the shipping costs are cheap, but they're definitely not like overpriced, pretty fair overall. And so now that I know this tip, it's like, well, and then now, I guess me knowing this tip was one thing in terms of my own self-control, but now more importantly, and the reason why I bought all this stuff, by the way, one of them I'm saving for Christmas, so I'm I'm not crazy. I didn't give my crazy son both a monorail set and a Disney Cruise Line toy like at the same time. And I went extra on the merchandise this time because I felt so bad that I had to leave this weekend. It was a really, like I said, it was a really tough weekend to go. But the problem is, Leslie, not that I know that things can be shipped home, but he knows that things can be shipped home now. And so he internalized now I no longer, that. <laughs> yes. It arrived now I no on the doorstep. Have the excuse. Now I no longer have the excuse that uh, 
I we can't bring this stuff home. So that that'll be dangerous. And Leslie, I kid you not, it was just two items. For some reason, they sent me a box that you know I'm not that tall of a guy, um, which I found out because apparently everyone I know at Travelmation is like six inches taller than me. But uh, I'm five seven, and this box came all the way up to my nose, Leslie. This box that they shipped. My wife came home and she was like. She basically looked at me and was like, there is some garbage on the doorstep for you. She was not happy with this box that I got sent home. But anyway, tip for you all, maybe a curse. If there's something big that you want to bring home from Walt Disney World, you can ship it to yourself. All right. The box itself, I'm sure, was appreciated because that gets turned into forts and stuff in my house. So uh, hopefully it got reused in yours as well. Um, before we go, Joe, let's uh, close this episode out with our traditional Disney do or don't. What do you have for us? It's funny that you mentioned not being able to get the app to work as a mobile key for your hotel before. My Disney do was going to be set that up and make sure that works when you first get to your hotel room. And the reason why I'm saying that, um, I don't know how to solve your situation where you never got it to work. But the reason why I'm saying that is because when I got home one night, I was carrying all this stuff and... I took my magic band off because when I go back into the parking lot at the hotel, I always, you know, my arms, like I said, I'm only five foot seven. My arm's not long enough to reach all the way to the reader where I have to, you know, tap my magic band to get into the hotel parking lot. So I always take my magic band off and hold it out with my other hand onto the reader. Well, I got to my door and I was like, oh shoot, my magic band is not on my hand. And at this point, well, uh, you kind of have figured it out. Like I was wearing a suit from the thing. I had the mobile order that I'd gotten from the yacht club quick service. I was carrying all this other stuff. I was carrying my award. They gave everyone who had like done a certain amount of sales, like this box with stuff in it. So I had this box too. So I had all this stuff and my room was about a 15 minute walk away from the car, maybe 10 minute walk away from the car. It was 15 when I was carrying all that stuff. I, I could have gotten there faster. Well, Leslie, I started freaking out and like, I didn't have my magic band. I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I can't leave all this stuff here and I don't, I can't bring it all the way back to my car. If I left my magic band in my car, blah, blah. blah. And so then I was like, oh, genius. I can get in with my mobile key. Well, that took me like seven to 10 minutes to like get the whole app set up. And then it finally, thankfully like worked. Otherwise I was like, you know, I was already like in a flop sweat for this whole situation <laughs> and so i finally got it to work but i was like disney do joe you should have set this up when you were chill when you checked in you know to make sure that it worked because you never know when you don't have your magic band on like i did i guess i didn't put it back on after i'd use it to get in and having that phone option having been able to do it in 10 seconds would have been much better than the actual situation that i encountered so when you get to your room, go ahead and set up your mobile key entry. Personally, I was like, I'm never going to use this, right? But then I, when I needed it, I didn't have it. So it's just one of those things. Get it set up. That's my Disney do for this trip. Excellent, excellent tip. And hopefully um, I'll have better luck on my next uh, world or land trip. Yeah. I don't know. They still got to work on their IT as uh, we mention every single episode. Well, those are some tips for my trip. Hopefully... A couple of those help you out and help you to have a better trip to Walt Disney World. 
um, in one of your upcoming trips. If you have any other questions or tips about what we said, let us know. DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at www.deciphered on Twitter or on Facebook and Instagram. Disney Deciphered, one more plug. Check us out on YouTube at Disney Deciphered. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, and I will see you not updating your iOS because my wife says it's terrible, and I think that's going to make it even harder for you to get in mobile entry. Thanks, Joe.